The following podcast contains explicit language. This is Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells. And I'm Maureen O'Connor. I'm Allison Davis. Today we're going to be talking about a few different topics. The first is Maureen's brilliant Voltron theory of dating, in which the plight of the 30 or so year old single is explained with reference to an 80s cartoon. And then we're going to talk about the thirst trap, which is a super common and now amazingly codified sort of public sexting. Maureen, let's talk about your Voltron theory of dating. Before we get to the theory part, Maureen, maybe you could just first explain what Voltron is. I was sort of a gem person growing up, so I don't really know. (laughs) So Voltron was a cartoon in the 80s in which a series of robots combined together to turn one super robot whenever they had to beat a really bad enemy. And there would be, you know, different people were sort of piloting each robot. So there would be the smart robot piece that was like the left arm and it would answer all of the mathematical problems the team had. And then there's the right leg, which is a super strong one. Literally, the strong one was piloted by a big thug named Hunk. And it sort of like <laughs> tracks directly to what I think people do when they're dating casually, which is you sort of assemble this sort of team of people that if you could add them together, they would be your ultimate spouse or mate that you are dating, you know, Uh, the raging hot person who you just love fucking but you can't really have good conversations with. Then you've got the really, like, smart, sensitive guy who you talk to about all of your problems. You've got, you know, the practical person who shows up and helps you clean up your apartment or whatever you're doing. And what I kept finding was when I talked to people about their sort of casual dating lives, they sort of were doing this naturally. Sometimes you do it on purpose. But I also think that when you're dating, after each breakup, you sort of naturally seek the counterpoint to that person, that you notice what what that person was missing when you broke up, and then you go seeking the thing that was missing. So you sort of add it up over a lifetime, and sometimes you end up seeing maybe what your sum total ought to have been or could be. And is the idea then that there's like one ideal person that's made up of all these characteristics or that you're actually just really into having a variety of partners? A little bit of both. I mean, the sort of danger of the Voltron, as one of my friends said, the Voltron gets a little subversive sometimes if you realize that maybe you like the Voltron better than you like one person. Maybe you don't want to commit to anyone at all. You just want to live your life. The most important thing, though, is it sort of takes the pressure off every single person you date thinking, is this person the person that has every single quality I need? Like, if you're not getting the guy who takes you out to a Michelin-starred restaurant every night for dinner, then just find a different guy to take you out to those. And the key is that sometimes is that those people add up to what you need, but sometimes you realize that you think you're assembling different qualities from each person, and it turns out that maybe you don't need this thing that you thought you needed, that you have the guy who you thought wasn't good enough because he didn't take you to fancy dinners, but then you add the fancy dinner guy and you realize you never, ever want to see him. You know, every time you go to a fancy dinner, you're texting the guy who doesn't take you to dinner. Maybe it turns out you don't care about dinners. And I think that's when you take the pressure off any one person by saying, I'm going to date a whole bunch of people you sort of realize what you do or don't want. Like dating is as much about finding the right person as finding out what you even want in the right person. But the example you're describing seems to me just like grass is always greener kind of thing. That is like, you know, when you're at the restaurant, you want to be (laughs) at home. And then, yeah. Allison, does this theory seem... Well, just like on a practical level of this theory, (laughs) where are you finding all these people to assemble anyway? Like I have a hard enough time finding one person who suits like one one need or girl that's because your standards are way too high you just have to lower your standards if you want to date a bunch of people no it's not about lowering your standards it's about trying out different things you know and about shifting your standards 
and that if you think there's no way I can be with this guy who isn't outrageously hot, then you tell yourself, give it a try. Just let him be one arm of the Voltron. And so just always swipe right. This is the just rule. always swipe right. Okay. Just it's about giving people a chance and taking the pressure off any one person. Not everyone you date has to be the perfect person. You can date a whole bunch of people at once, or you can discover that someone turns out to be better than you thought. So much energy expended. I feel like I know it does take a lot of energy. <laughs> it is true that Voltroning is probably works best for those who are already um, have a lot of social energy. But I think about it in a way like like you're at a party or you're hosting a party and you mm-hmm. have like three minute conversations with every person that like passes in your path. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, you're like, well, who did I just talk to or what did I even yeah. talk about all night? Or is that like really a fulfilling way of being at the party? party being dating. Perhaps <laughs> not. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying it's the best way to be. It, some people want to be this way forever. But it's also this strangeness of realizing the way we organize our lives that we don't talk about out loud. That when you're dating, there's sort of these things where you're not supposed to totally admit who else you're dating at the same time. And it's like we're in this unspoken state of polyamory whenever we're single. Because you sort of assume that until, until you say we're exclusive. You assume that person could be dating any number of other people at the same time. All your other counterpoints. Yeah, the polyamory thing to me is interesting because it's, you know, it's not like you ever really hear about polygamists who then like go down to one wife. They're always like (laughs) adding more people. And one of the anxieties in your article, I think, was that like maybe this makes you unable to commit even to someone who theoretically you would want to commit to or you should have you would have committed to if you hadn't been so I know if it sort of feeds commitment phobia I mean I suppose there was a time when you would call a man who did this an incorrigible bachelor that he just can't settle down I used to always assume that I was like just more dating is good there's nothing wrong with that you're going to be fine you can settle down later although I have talked to some friends who are more in their 40s or so than single that say well you know maybe I actually can't be with someone now because I'm too used to being on my own or I'm too used to being able to swipe left the minute something goes wrong or ditch that part of the Voltron and reassemble it with some other person Um, and if you get too used to that I don't know perhaps you lose your ability to compromise. Allison, what do you think? Does living in a state of polyamory make you less likely to end up monogamous? I go back and forth on this. I feel like there's a way that this could help you actually be more intimate, right? Or mm-hmm. be better at intimacy. You're better at getting rid of your personal hangups that would keep you from being better in a committed relationship. Like, I think about casual dating and how sometimes I find it so hard just to be like open or be myself with people that I've just met and so Mm -hmm. it takes me like six months to be comfortable with somebody but if you're dating lots of people maybe it takes you a lot less time to just be more open and in that you become better at relating to another person and getting over like you said all your little hang-ups about the perfect man or the ideal man so I don't know I can kind of see it helping you lead up to the big one if you so choose to find (laughs) the big one but at the same time, like, is it at all meaningful? And if you're satisfied mm. with these little itty bitty nibbles, you know, <laughs> like you've ruined your meal. <laughs> and it, I don't know. I don't I know. Tapas are a great meal sometimes. They're so unsatisfying. <laughs> like, just give me a burger. No, I mean, what do you think, David? You, you've been married and with one woman for a long time. Is this just horrifying to you? I mean, I'm super happy. So I, but I don't know. I mean, I see people who drift from one relationship to another, like being in multiple relationships at once. And um, that becomes pretty quickly their life. And they can't then say this person is worth ditching all that. So, I mean, not to sound like someone who thinks that everybody should be committing all the time. Like that's a not smug who I am. married in the Bridget Jones <laughs> parlance. <laughs> I do feel like, you know, you get used to whatever you're used to. And if mm-hmm. what you're used to is being with a bunch of people, you're going to want to keep being with a bunch of people because 
Yeah, that's your life. How young were you when you met Risa? 19. Wow. And were you just with her perpetually since age 19? Yeah, basically. Ah. One of the crazy features about my relationship is I'm just like super happy that we met so young. Because I feel like um, when I see people who get involved in relationships later, it always seems to me like they don't have time to really get to know each other. or Like Mm -hmm. they're not actually really so intimate. They're sort of just putting someone into the parts of their life where a person can fit. Actually, a friend of mine had this phrase for that, which he called like Scantron girlfriend or Scantron boyfriend, which (laughs) is like... The Voltron Scantron. Yeah, well, it's sort of like the same as the Voltron, but also the opposite, which is like you find someone who like checks all the boxes, but doesn't necessarily excite you in any way. But you like end up with them just because they fit into your life as it is, which seems worse than... That was really depressing, the Scantron theory. (laughs) But I think the difference also is sort of when you meet somebody, what happens over time is that I imagine that you sort of grew up together is what it sounds like to some degree. And so I think there's the element of when you're sort of dating later in life, you can't have a Scantron because there's no hole to fit into when you're 19 years old. You don't have a life yet. You don't have You've got so much time. You don't have a, I mean, you don't have your personality built yet. So it's not like when you were 19, you even had a specific hole and that somebody would fit into. Whereas, so I think that is a little bit of the fear of that if you keep on sort of plugging people in, that once your life is sort of solid and built in a certain way, it gets a little more difficult to shift and reshape to fit somebody in. Yeah, I think like the the dude came up with this phrase because he saw all of his friends like finding really boring boyfriends and girlfriends. And he was like, there must be some theory that explains this. But... But that's the beauty of the Voltron, is that it takes yeah. off your, that you have the person that checks the boxes, but you can have some wild whatever people, and then maybe it turns out the wild whatever person, the like crazy left arm of your Voltron that was only supposed to be for fun, late night booty calls, turns out to be awesome. You know, it, it, it frees you to, I think, experiment in a certain way, when you don't feel like you have to be the one person at a time, so they must check off every single box. You can scatter the boxes and see which ones do or don't matter. And Allison, you've said before that like you think that open relationships are sort of having a moment, right? Yeah, I have a lot of friends. Is that just like because a bunch of your friends are doing it? Are you seeing it in movies and TV and that kind of stuff? I feel like I'm, I'm reading a lot about it. A lot of friends are doing it. I don't always buy the open relationship. I feel like it's a slow boat to like finding out that you don't really want to be in a relationship. But I actually have a friend who's been in a long-term open relationship, and they find it has strengthened their bond because they have this knowledge that they're each other's one and only, but they have, like, other needs Mm -hmm. and other people can satisfy her in, like, an artistic way that her boyfriend can't because he's very rational and, like, into science. And he's finding that he can get the sexual experience he hadn't had because they've been together since they were in college. And I don't know, they might convince me. But I do think there's a cultural moment of people really exploring or at least being open to exploring these relationships yeah. in a way that's not just bullshit. I think it's both. I think it's like a cultural moment, definitely. I mean, the sort of like casualness with which it sort of plays into like House of Cards or, you know, right. like all these like TV shows and stuff. But then there's also one of my friends was like, one of the joys of like being in, like entering our 30s is seeing which of these like long term couples are going to start having open relationships now or like, <laughs> or, you know. I'm rooting for divorces. I'm like, I'm <laughs> really? Like, yeah, totally. Well, plenty of people have open relationships. But it's only a one-sided open relationship because right, right. it's one person cheating <laughs> or, you know, they're they're having the unspoken open relationship. I know one couple where basically, like, the dude sleeps around all the time and the chick never does. And they've been together for, like, decades. And, and like, that's out in public. Like, and they're they're, both, yeah. And they, yeah. Well, I mean, she does sometimes. Fair. But, like, it's just actually <laughs> – I think it's actually really beautiful because actually it's just that, like, her sex drive isn't just as high as his. And it doesn't threaten her that she's like, eh cool he's gonna do that somewhere else like i'm happy and i'm secure and i'm not threatened by other people 
I'm pro-Voltron marriage, I think. I'm into mm. this idea. Maybe not Voltron dating because it just still seems too hard for me. <laughs> but if I knew I had like one person already. That you have some could, security. Yeah. Yeah. I need the security head. Mm, like interesting. Head. Wait, can you tell us why you're rooting for divorce? Mm. Oh, it's just so much drama. I like feeling like I'm the only person in the world who's like in a happy relationship. That makes me very like <laughs> so sad, super satisfied. You hate it. You're really the smug married. <laughs> smug you really are. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but also just like I like I have like a few friends who got divorced and a few other people who've been in really long term relationships that just split up. And it's like so fun to talk to them about what's going on. Um, it's like so much more interesting conversations than there were like six months or a year before when Wait. they were all like clammed up and didn't want to talk about anything. So you want your friends to divorce so they tell yes. you the gossip? Yes. It's like gladiator. Divorced. It's the emperor sitting up there <laughs> unleashing lions. <laughs> so we've been talking about Maureen O'Connor's Voltron theory of dating with some detours into Scantron and open marriages or open relationships. So now let's move on to our next topic, which is the thirst trap. As part of the cuts, our selfies, ourselves week, Allison wrote an essay called Quit Worrying and Embrace the Art of the Thirst Trap, which was the first time I had actually heard of the phrase thirst trap. So before we get to whether or not we should worry about it, Allison, could you tell us what a thirst trap is and when you started seeing it? Sure. Most simplest description of thirst trap is any photo you post on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter that is really sexy and meant to elicit comments and compliments and thirst from your followers or from strangers who happen upon the photo. So it's a nice shot of your cleavage or your firm butt or your abs or dick outlines are really popular thirst traps these days. So the thirst trap is meant to ensnare a commenter into exposing their lust for you. So if they see a picture of you in a bikini to say like, damn, that's my wifey, and then they're exposed as really wanting to... Wanting on you. Wanting on you. Yeah. Although a lot of the comments are a lot racier than yeah. wifey. I think in your article you did a list which ended with sit on my face was like... It's a really a, common one. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> my face is very common. The frequency with which the phrase sit on my face appears on the internet like suggests to me that any like taboo against men performing cunnilingus is dead. That's, that phrase happens more often than like want to see my dick. As yeah, far as I, I can tell. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. it's a sort of a more flattering come on. Like it's a, no, I suppose, I mean, yeah. flattering in like a super raunchy way, I suppose. Well, yeah, if you're worshiping me, like I don't want you to offer for me to suck yeah, your dick. No. I want you to, like, what am I getting out of it? So sit on your face. Although one of your favorite thirst trappers is a guy who all of his photos are just showing the outline of his dick, right? Yes, it's a rapper, Cash Out, who's got a baby arm. Um, <laughs> it's like so gifted. And he'll just post picture after picture of him in boxers who are just like drinking champagne casually and it's all about his dick outline Instagram actually just pulled his best photos down oh. so you guys have to go deep diving on the internet for that he's like just having some champagne and it's like a dick pic every time <laughs> it depends once it was like Diesel just sent me some new boxers so like that kind sort of, of acknowledges it, it but normally it's like check it out <laughs> here I am so what I find is that my friends and I often set thirst traps on behalf of one another that like somebody will like take a picture and be like oh like this picture is really like my tits look amazing in this picture should I post it or am I gonna look really thirsty then I'm like girl let me post it we'll see which of my followers want to fuck you right oh my god can you see that you know Maureen you've in fact done this for me on more than occasion yeah that we were sitting at a bar and it's like Allison your tits look amazing I'm gonna take a picture of them I'm gonna put this on Instagram we're gonna see which of my followers want to date you and, and which is like out. sort of you know, embarrassing for her. Maybe yeah. actually. So <laughs> well, the dilemma so well. is that if you don't have a lot of followers and the person's like offended, that they're like, what? Nobody liked that? 
the danger of the thirst trap is if you don't trap enough, I suppose. It's embarrassing for the for the hunter there. <laughs> you organized your article like a taxonomy, and there were a few different kinds, and basically the differences between the kinds of thirst traps were how out in the open everybody was about it. So yeah. there were some that were like, really, truly, like, here's a picture of my dick, like, I'm sending it out there into the world, please respond. And then there were people who were trying to be a little more coy, a little more modest, a little more secretive even about it. Right. Oh, I just happened to fall down and sit like this with my bikini out. <laughs> like, look whoa, at, everybody look thinks my, I'm hot in this? Woo-hoo. My smoothie that's somehow perfectly placed next to my rippling abs. Those are my favorite. <laughs> the, the gym rats that kind of fake it. I don't know. I think there is something a little embarrassing about owning how sexy you think you look and asking people to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, we're all doing it all the time, so why not just put it out there and be proud of it and yeah. admit that I'm thirsting after you, you're thirsting after me, and we'll all get laid a lot more in that case. I think it's a lot dorkier when somebody sort of pretends that, like, oh, I just happened to fall into this lighting and it's flawless, right. you know? There's just like... And there's some of them who are, like, really good at it. Yes. Amber Rose is a legend. I think she posted a photo of herself on vacation in January that was picked up by People, the Daily Mail, the Guardian, E, every gossip rag was focusing on Amber Rose and her dental floss bathing suit. It was three thin black straps and two eye patches. And she's like a voluptuous lady. Mm-hmm. And she just put it out there in heels on a casual Sunday, you know. As you do. As you do. When you're Amber Rose, thirst trapping. And the comments on that were insane. Just, please marry me. Mike, my dick hurts for you. Amber, look at me. I'll do anything for you. Do you want my first child? You can have it for sex. (laughs) People (laughs) promise you anything. And did she respond to those people? None. Not at all? Not at all, no. Amber Rose is kind of interesting since she was famous before thirst trapping, even kind of before social media, but she's really found her calling in this form. Mm -hmm. It's, like, made for her. It's funny because she's Kanye West's ex. Kanye West's new woman, you know, Kim Kardashian's not only great at the thirst trap, but she amazingly has been able to thirst trap her husband into coming home for her. Remember that day that the first, like, post-baby picture when she posed in her, like, white upper-ass swimsuit? And everybody's like, holy shit, her bod looks amazing post-baby. And Kanye immediately tweeted, coming home right now. Right. That is the goal. That's, like, the ultimate. To have Kanye West come home. Yes. Yeah. That's why I post everything. <laughs> to have Kanye West come home. Or to have your ex say, I'm, like, you're beautiful. I'm coming back for baby, you. Baby, I miss you. No, I feel like and that's actually, say, like, that's too much thirst trap. Yeah, but then you're just exposing him as the thirstiest and then saying, like, shut it down. You're sad. And that's that's, when you win the breakup, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a big part of it, which we haven't talked about, is like the person's generating lust and then being like, but I have no time for you. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. Which I feel like is a little cruel, but (laughs) (laughs) if you can pull it off, like, more power to you, right? Because that's that's the ultimate compliment to say, you want me and I don't want you. I wanted to ask you in particular about Justin Bieber. He does play this coy game, right? It's not quite as explicit as, um, who's your rapper pal? Was Cash it? out. Uh-huh. Memorize that. <laughs> but like his, his like Instagram life is still totally thirst trap after thirst trap, right? I think for him, it's because nobody buys him at all as a sexy person. So he probably feels very embarrassed about considering himself to be a sexual being and presenting that to people to say, aren't I sexy? Because he's not really sure. Um, but I think like Justin Bieber's great at the thirst trap because he ensnares people that don't even want to be ensnared. Like We are not willing participants to his game, but yet I find myself Oh, God, I had to unfollow him on Instagram because like it made me really uncomfortable to be like, flipping through and be like, abs, oh, God, it's Justin right, but it's Bieber. Justin Bieber. <laughs> he feels so, so weird. Ashamed. 
Well, you can't help it. He's really good at setting traps. I know. Traps. He thirst trapped me too many times. I just had to leave that forest and avoid those traps. So I've just owned up to it now. Like Justin Bieber, you, I'm, I'm yours. I'm trapped. I'm in the snare. So, but if you had to pick one as being better, would you say it was Bieber or Amber Rose? Amber Rose, because she really owns it. Also, she takes it to the next level with her costumes. Like, I don't she know. Commits. She commits. Also, there's a new person, Chris Brown's ex, even though I hate to mention Chris Brown ever, Karuchi Tron. She's been posting a lot of thirst traps now that she's single. And she's even getting, like, Chris Brown's approval on them. He's gone on a few and put, like, Thirst Trap 101 or Y'all Don't Know How the game works, but she does, things like that. So she's coming up. So this is like an example of your ideal thirst trap. Yes, the ex. The ex ex. coming thirsted. The ex saying that's a thirst trap, is that a compliment or an insult? For him it was a compliment because he said, like, you look so beautiful, don't listen to the haters, thirst trap 101. Um, Ah. Yeah, so I think in that case he's all about it. We've been talking about the thirst trap, and in particular we've been talking about her great essay on it, which is called Quit Worrying and Embrace the Art of the Thirst Trap, and can be found on The Cut. And that's it for Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. For Allison Davis and Maureen O'Connor, I'm David Wallace-Wells. Our producer is Henry Malofsky. Thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. You'll find our podcast and more at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm.